0: Now for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello and welcome to one hour of everything queer.
1: This week, queer story looks at one corner of Buck House.
0: A place called Sodom.
1: No, Gomorrah, but just before Buckingham Palace was built.
0: Also, we chat to the experts about our mental health and well-being
1: all in the next hour here at shout out
0: doop doop come, come on pa 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 that's it? brilliant <laughs> <laughs> that's I <true>. like that <laughs> remix version <laughs> <isn't.
1: laughs> Wow, there we are. Gosh, you caught me unawares. Uh,
2: no.
0: There's no other way I like to impossible. be caught. impossible. <laughs>
1: <You? laughs> it does happen from time no, to
0: time. No, don't believe it.
1: <laughs> How <laughs> not, is everybody Not unawares. We're
0: okay, yeah, and before we get started, because we've only got a short time to chat to you at the top of the show, because we are jam-packed as usual, Terry, we've got some special
2: shows coming up, haven't we? We have, if you're listening on BCFM, which is our home station, Community Radio in Bristol, which is now across the city in even stronger signal in DAB, incidentally, because they've switched on the new transmitter. We're also on 93.2 FM and Steph and myself are on Christmas morning between 10am and 12 noon. So just like the people on Blue Peter, we'll be opening our presents early (laughs) and uh, with you on the radio. It's going to be fantastic. And if you listen on BCFM, The Wave in Western, I think, and also Trans Radio UK across Ireland on DAB, we're going to be doing New Year's Eve as well. But listen out for more details of those.
0: Yep, that's great. Thank you, Terry.
2: The Shoutout Listeners Awards are now open. Comprised of 23 awards in five categories, they're your chance to tell us who you think is your best of the best. Round one is open nominations. You can nominate anyone for any award. Nominations will close at Christmas and then open again for the finals in January. Then join us live at the Old Market Assembly in Bristol for our award ceremony, sponsored by Yugo, where we'll announce the winners. To cast your nominations, go to shoutoutradio.lgbt/awards. Shout out! LGBT Radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast
0: mannheim steamroller very um, not well known in the uk actually but every tail point in every supermarket in the us now if you want to know what mannheim steamroller means from the city of germany mannheim um, it means a crus- musical sh- crescendo.
1: Crescendo? Yeah. Oh. It reminds is it in Home Alone? Sorry to well, be, well, re- be really was. basic oh,
0: I don't think so. Oh, <laughs> no, okay. I don't think it is. Well, it was right. beautiful. But that was Karen
2: of the Bells, wasn't it? Yes. Ah. Uh,
1: okay.
0: Yeah, your okay. starter for 10, Mr. Star Yes. Thank you very much. Time for. Oh, he was ready for another one. <laughs> Should we do Queer Story now? All right then. Why You're not? on this show a lot, I you know am. that, right? <laughs>
1: On today's Queer Story, we're talking to you about 18th century gay subculture and the high likelihood that Buckingham Palace was originally the site of a gay brothel in the 1600s. Yes, you heard that right. The question is, did any of the queens know, and should I inform our new king, of this interesting bit of historical info? mckee wrote a fantastically interesting article for the british newspaper archive noting that many historians have suggested that 18th century london was home to a flourishing gay subculture with molly houses at the center of the social scene what you're telling me that lgbtqi people haven't just existed in the last 70 years shocker Molly was a slur used for effeminate homosexual men and the term was adopted to describe the clubs, taverns, inns or coffee houses where they met up in secret. Although the establishments or meeting places were called mollies, men of all types frequented the houses including masculine, effeminate, working class and aristocracy. And of course, in the 18th century, being caught in a homosexual act or the act of sodomy could have meant time spent in the pillory, penal service, transportation or even a death sentence, depending on the case and the evidence. Molly houses were also targeted by police raids and our newspapers capture the arrests and punishments of the clientele and landlords. Although the Molly houses could be raided by police, they provided a safe place for homosexual men to socialise and openly discuss or express their identities. Many houses were also quasi-brothels and places to find pleasure. Historian Richter Norton identified that many of the houses were located around London's Covent Garden, Moorfields, Lincoln's Inn and the Royal Exchange. They tended to be in areas known to be home to high levels of prostitution and crime. To understand the history of the Molly House, we must look beyond the newspapers. We now have a contemporary description from the journalist Ned Ward's The Secret History of London Clubs, published in 1709, where he described the Mollys' clubs as a place where a curious band of fellows met and held parties. The Mollys, he illustrated, rather fancy themselves women, imitated all the little vanities that custom had reconciled to the female sex, affecting to speak, walk, tattle, curtsy, cry, scold, and mimic all manner of femininity Furthermore, men recreated heteronormative life events such as marriage and childbirth. The text reported When they are met, together their unusual practice is to mimic a female gossiping and fall into all the impertinent tittle-tattle that a merry society of good wives can be subject to. Not long since they had cushioned up one of their brethren or rather sisters, according to female dialect, disguising him in a woman's nightgown Ward's description doesn't seem too far off from what we describe as camp today with these performances as a type of drag performance we can even interpret hints of trans identities among the mollies Ward explained that the men referred to each other as sisters, using female pronouns. The Mollies had children's sisters and husbands. They created their own kinship and family networks. There is a long tradition of homosexuals creating a chosen family with whom they can be open and vulnerable about their identity and desires. According to the historian Randolph Trumbach, code words were used to disguise where the men were going. The molly house was referred to as the coffee house. A molly house could be as simple as a room in a house where men gathered, or more lavish as a special adjacent room in a tavern or inn. The historian has identified 17 raids on molly houses between 1726 and 1727. The newspapers tell us the devastating aftermath of raids and arrests. In one case, a raid on Mother Clapp's house resulted in the arrest of 40 men and three were executed. Margaret Mother Clapp operated a molly house known as Mother Clapp's house in Holborn, London. In 1726, the house was raided and 40 men were arrested as well as Mother Clapp. The Caledonian Mercury tells us that Miss Clapp stood in the pillory for keeping a disorderly house. Centuries later, Mother Clap was remembered in a play titled Mother Clap's Mother House. The play traced three centuries of homosexuality, beginning with Mother Clap's Morley House, to a 21st century home. The play had some shocking scenes interlaced with humour. Overall, it showed the similarities of human behaviour across centuries. The number of Molly House raids demonstrates there was a gay culture in London in the later 18th century and early 19th century. The trial records and proceedings, which you can find on London Lives, further paints a vibrant and flourishing subculture, even in the face of discrimination and criminalisation. One of the main agitators pushing for the arrests on homosexual men was a society of the Reformation of Manners who planted spies and informants to help bring men to prosecution and even to their death. The newspapers didn't often use the phrase Molly House. You can find raids under House for the Entertainment of Sodomites or keeping a disorderly house, which was the case for Hornby and Whaley. They were sentenced to stand in the pillory at Charing Cross, then six months in prison. After that time, they were to give security for their good behaviour for seven years. Standing in the pillory was brutal, but it was always made worse by the opinion of the crowd. In cases of sodomy and disorderly houses, the crowd were usually aggressive. From their time in the Pillory Hornby and Whaley were described as so loaded with dung and dirt that they appeared like bears That's from the IPwich Journal, seventh of january, seventeen twenty seven. Another raid took place in 1810 at the White Swan on Veer Street in London. The men arrested were also taken to the pillory, but the scene erupted in violence. Over a 100 constables were present to escort the prisoners James Cook, James Amos, nicknamed Sally Fox, William Thompson, Richard Francis and James Don to the pillory. While bejaunted and jeered, Amos laughed at the crowd – They were showered with mud, potatoes, turnips, offal and even dead cats. Afterwards, while returning to the prison from the pillory, the crowd broke through and assaulted the men. The sheer number of raids and convictions in the 1720s does validate that there was a gay subculture in London. We don't know more about other cities across England. Furthermore, the records do not show if women or lesbians frequented these establishments. Throughout history, lesbians are more difficult to trace in the records for the main reason that lesbianism was not criminalised in the same way it was between men. Without personal testimonies or accounts, we must tread lightly when assigning 21st century terms to 18th century culture. The descriptions we do find of the Mollies and the activities which transpired at molly houses does hint at a cross-dressing or drag culture, with some suggestion of trans identities. The events and men we have found in the 18th century echo through the centuries, from the underground clubs of the 20s to the police raids on gay nightclubs in the 60s. And following on from this, there have been some very interesting writings suggesting that Buckingham Palace might have been the site of a gay brothel in the 1600s. Yes, our England's monarchs have probably slept in areas that were once known for gay brothels and sex workers. Norton Richter, an LGBTQI plus historian, claims that in the 1600s, a gay brothel may have occupied the location where Buckingham Palace now sits. And in 2013, he wrote an essay titled The Gay Subculture in Early 18th Century London, where he noted that Clement Walker, an English politician, wrote in 1649 about brothels and gay male sex workers. He said that there were new erected Sodoms and spintries at the Mulberry Garden at S. James's. Sodoms referred to the brothels and spintries to the gay sex workers, according to the outlet, and the Mulberry Garden is now the northwest corner of Buckingham Palace. Richter said that people didn't have the language back then to label same sex relations, and that goes for LGBTQI plus sex workers and non sex workers. The commentators upon morality probably could not deal with the concept of homosexuality, except by labeling its practitioners with terms borrowed from the underworld of heterosexual prostitution, and misleadingly used terms such as he strumpets and he hauls, even for quite ordinary gay men who would never think of soliciting payment for their pleasures, Richter wrote. He added that court documents at the time show that many of those caught in the act weren't participating in sex work though, but the records of trials suggest that these mollies engaged in sex for pleasure rather than profit. The historian also pointed out that some high-profile figures were open about their queerness. For example, poet John Wilmot wrote at the time, There's a sweet soft page of mine does the trick worth forty wenches. And in another poem, Wilmot wrote more explicitly, Nor shall our love fits, chorus be forgot, When each the well-looked link boy strove to enjoy, And the best kiss was the deciding lot. Before I bring this queer story to a close, I thought I would share some more interesting facts about our LGBTQIA plus history. Such as, it's been noted that the Archbishop of Canterbury's wife had lesbian affairs whilst at Lambeth Place. Mary Ben Benson had been railroaded into marrying the future Archbishop of Canterbury, Edward Benson, at the age of 12. Though she had five children with him, she apparently very much disliked him, especially hating any form of intimacy, probably because she was a lesbian. Ben had a number of affairs with women during her marriage, most famously Lucy Tate, the daughter of Edward Benson's predecessor, Archibald Tate. After Mary Benson's husband died, she and Lucy Tate set up house together in the Sussex Downs. And gay couples got married in Georgian London, usually in molly houses, although getting married was a euphemism for sex in Georgian London. It also meant a gay marriage ceremony, not in any legal terms, of course. Richter Norton, author of A Molly Map of Georgian London, writes how one Molly wedding was celebrated between the butcher Thomas Coleman, a French immigrant, and John Hyans, a.k.a. Queen Irons. A ditty was sung to mark the occasion. Let the fops of town unbraid us for an unnatural trade we value not man nor maid, but among our own selves we'll be free. There were even bridesmaids, Miss Kitten, street robber James Oviatt, and Princess Serafina, cross-dresser John Cooper. Some molly houses were run by two married men, such as Robert Whale and his partner York Horner, who ran an establishment on King Street, Westminster. And of course, There was Anne Lister. If you caught my four-part queer story on Miss Lister, you would have heard that she was the first lesbian to ever get married, all the way back in 1834, to her love Anne Walker, whom she spent her whole life with until her unfortunately early passing. The ceremony took place in the Holy Trinity Church, Goodramgate, York, which is now celebrated as the birthplace of lesbian marriage in Britain. It's because of the detail written within Lister's diaries that we are able to know so much about contemporary life in West Yorkshire, including her development of historic Shivden Hall, her interests in landscaping, mining, railways and, of course, women. Many entries were written in code that was not deciphered until long after her death. These graphic portrayals of lesbianism were so frank that they were thought to be a hoax until their authenticity was confirmed. If you haven't read about her life, you should, because it was quite incredible and has now been made into a fantastic BBC TV series called Gentleman Jack, the nickname given to Anne because of her masculine attire and behaviour of which she was known for and loved for by her family and wife. She was bold, fearless and unapologetically herself, which was incredible considering the time in which she lived. And that brings me to the end of this episode of Queer Story. I have definitely found this an interesting subject to research and learn about. So I hope it has been a unique listen for you all. Shout out. LGBT Radio for
0: you. The Shout Out Podcast. Yeah, Gene Pitney. And Mark Ullman. Kind of now, I think Mark Ullman was gay and Gene Pitney wasn't. I think that's the right way around, right isn't it, way Terry? Round, Thank yes, you. absolutely
2: correct. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm <laughs> <laughs>
1: This is Shoutout News on Thursday 8th of December.
2: The Guardian newspaper notes that the acclaimed French footballer Antoine Griezmann has reiterated his long-standing support for the LGBTQA communities and women. Mr Griezmann remarked on the recent World Cup in Qatar, it doesn't matter where I am, the community will always have my support. Mr Griezmann has appeared on the cover of the celebrated French gay magazine Tetu and has also told journalists, homophobia isn't an idea... It's a crime.
1: A crowdfunder has been set up to help trans person Nate, whose life has been turned upside down after the theft of their home, a camper van, on November 1st. In a moving article for the National LGBTQIA Newswire Pink News, Nate describes the items that have been irreplaceably lost by the theft, including a photograph of them at their first trans pride event. Nate has been studying herbalism at a school of ecological herbalist medicine in Devon and says that while the police have just treated their home's theft as just a small vehicle crime... The transgender community, the wider LGBTQIA community and the Herbalist movement have recognised what a blow this was and have rallied around with emotional and practical support. If you want to visit the crowdfunding page to help Nate, then please pop along to our website for a web link.
2: Pink News reports that the Charity Commission has launched a statutory inquiry into the transgender youth charity Mermaids. The Charity Commission said that it will see if Mermaids' governance is, quote, appropriate in relation to the activities the charity carries out, which involve vulnerable children and young people, as well as their families. Mermaids has said that it will cooperate fully with the inquiry and says that it accepts that it has some challenges to address but some lgbtqia plus people have hit back at the charity commission with one tweeting that the commission was pandering to prejudice
1: The National Secular Society, which campaigns against religious privilege in civic life and against fundamentalism in its many forms, has largely welcomed the results of the most recent census, which found that less than half the population now describe themselves as Christian. Dr Adam Rutherford for Humanist UK added millions of non-religious people in the UK today are leading humanist lives, fulfilling meaningful ethical lives on the basis of reason and humanity. Both the National Secular Society and Humanists UK have a long-standing Commitment to defending LGBTQI plus people from the antics of religious conservatives and fundamentalists.
2: LGBTQIA people have joined forces with comedy fans and television watchers in wishing a speedy recovery to lesbian comedian and broadcaster, writer and political activist Sandy Toxvig, who has been admitted to hospital on the Australian leg of a world tour. Ms Toxvig has been suffering from bronchial pneumonia. The Guardian newspaper notes, Bronchial pneumonia is a type of pneumonia featuring acute inflammation of the bronchii, the two large tubes that carry air from the windpipe to the lungs and is often accompanied by inflamed patches in the nearby lobules most people recover from bronchial pneumonia says the nhs website with warmth rest and staying indoors but some complications may need treatment with antibiotics
1: 30 years ago this coming January a new brash boy band took the charts by storm winning the hearts of many a teenage girl and enjoying a significant gay male following thanks to a canny tour of gay clubs and a star that was heavily influenced by gay SM fashion the band was of course Take That and their first chart topper Prey was in the top 40 in January and February 1993 to mark 30 years of that heady time National Radio Network BBC Radio 2 will be spending two hours in the company of Take That's music on New Year's Day Cat D will be presenting and says i was a take that fan back in the day and i'm a take that fan today so i can't wait to welcome the first day of 2023 live on radio 2 by playing two hours of their hits
2: in sports news, Bristol 247 reports that two local hostelries have received nothing but support from their regular customers after electing to take practical steps to protest the oppression of many groups of people, including women and LGBTQIA plus folks, by the World Cup host state Qatar. Wiper and True, which brews in Old Market and also trades through local pubs, has released a drink called Beer for Good in reference to Qatar and has also elected not to show World Cup events at its main outlet, the Wiper and True Tap Room. Meanwhile, the Plow at Eastern, which has been home to the left-leaning Eastern cowgirls and cowboys football and sporting teams for decades, has said that in keeping with their principles, they will be making a donation to charities working with people oppressed by the Qatari autocratic state. Customers are encouraged to dig deep too, and on day one of their appeal, over one thousand three hundred pounds was collected.
1: And finally, LGBTQIA plus people in and outside of the church are welcome. Welcome to the annual carol service organised by One Body One Faith, a project of inclusion and equality working across several Christian denominations. Big Queer Carols is organised in collaboration with several progressive Christian groups, including Affirm, the Open Table Network and the Gathering Cardiff. Carol events still to come are in Sheffield, Soulfield, New Manchester and Cardiff, the Welsh capital. Sing your heart out and reconnect to the joy of the Christmas season. For more information, visit the website of One Body One Faith at OneBodyOneFaith.org.
2: For these new stories and more, we update our website every day. Check us out at shoutoutradio.lgbt
1: For Shout Out News, this has been Ezra Peregrine and Terry Starr
0: Shoutout Out News National and International LGBT News For you shout out lgbt radio for you the shout out podcast nelly frittado she's like a bird And it's a big welcome to Louise Fitzpatrick. Now, Louise, you run a clinic. Tell us all about it.
3: Yes, hello there. Thank you ever so much for having me on the show. So, um, basically, I'm the CEO of two multi-award-winning aesthetics businesses called Aesthetica Skin Clinic. We're a family-run business uh, with my father, Kieran, my wife, Mel, who's been a member of the Western Supermare Pride team for the last seven years. So... Between us, we have a good understanding of the LGBTQ plus community and the, basically the daily struggles that people face.
1: So how did all of this start? I want to take you to sort of go back sort of a few years to the beginning of, of you starting all of this. What, what was it that led you into this sort of industry?
3: OK, well, we started 13 years ago in Birmingham, uh, opened our first clinic. And in March of this year, we opened our head office and four storey super clinic on the boulevard in Western Supermare. Uh, we've helped about twenty thousand people nationwide so far. Twenty
0: thousand? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah.
3: yeah, we've been around That's a little incredible. while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Um
3: you know, we, we wanted to help give people the confidence to be proud of who they are, mm. not have any issues about going to a clinic. Um and really it all started with a couple of our transgender friends coming to us asking for some help, asking for some feminisation, some masculinisation, treatments. And it was then that we realised um, that, you know, we weren't aware. There just wasn't anywhere out there that can offer these non-surgical type of treatments. You know, they're either embarrassed to go, not knowing what sort of reaction they're going to get, mm-hmm. um, or it was the affordability Aspect. So we had the idea to specialise in these
1: transgender transformations to help the local community that's such um an amazing thing to be doing and and it's not something that i'd actually thought about um in in such a specific way um and of course as you've just said there the trans community are a very vulnerable part um of um of our society and they're yeah. people who you know are stigmatized are still being alienated ostracized and bullied and i think that they don't know or a lot of people don't know where to go to ask for help and the affordability aspect of it as well so not just it sounds like not just are they feeling safe to access you and yeah. And, and your services but also that it is affordable because as we know the waiting list you know within the united kingdom alone is is years yeah. um for specific surgeries Absolutely. can you tell us
0: some specific things that you, that you do
1: yes of course so
3: we specialize in sculpting the face and body with fillers or threads Fat reduction, enhancing contours. Uh, We permanently remove hair, which is really important for quite Mm. a lot of the community. Mm. Um, We achieve more youthful appearance with treatments like skin boosters to soften the skin. And there's just nothing that we can't do. You know, we can do facelifts in half an hour these days. So it's (laughs) it's so important on your lunch break. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Lunchtime facelift, come to me. So yeah, you know, they're, they're very. Short-term, but long-gen, long-gen. Gosh, get Longevity. My words out. Longevity, thank yeah. you. <laughs> Treatments yeah. that people are paying, you know, a lot cheaper than they are for a surgical option. There's mm. a lot less downtime, and therefore they're getting a lot more money for their, uh, a lot more value for their money. But mm. also on the mental aspect, they haven't got, as I say, the downtime, the risk of anaesthetic, etc., mm. and then the fear of going under a surgical operation.
0: Have you got much of a waiting list at the moment in the the two clinics?
3: Yeah, we have about a four to six week waiting list. However, you know, our door's always open. Someone Mm. can just pop in for a chat or a coffee. You know, we've got key values that are really important and close to our hearts such as, for example, um, inclusivity, Mm. equality, creating a safe space for the LGBTQ plus community. And so we we just welcome anybody to come in at any time. You know, they haven't got to buy a treatment. If they need some help, just knock the door.
1: Mm that's really wonderful as well because i think sometimes for a lot of people it's just getting through the front door of anywhere um to access anything yeah you know it's that nervousness and again you know when people are already feeling vulnerable it's it's quite a tough thing isn't it to sort of just you know knock on a door and say you know i'd like to talk about this and um you know when you when you're a trans man or trans woman um or, or non-binary and you, there's certain things that you're interested in what who better to speak to than somebody who's got this this amount of experience and also understanding because you're part of the community yourself
3: yeah absolutely I mean we, we recently had a transgender client that we treated they wanted feminization treatments couldn't afford the surgical option mm. route um, and that included cheek limp chin enhancements and laser hair removal um, when I pa- when I finished the treatments and passed them the mirror she literally burst into tears. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was um, it was heart-wrenching, but mm. at the same time, you know, that's why I get up in the morning, that's why I do what I do. Mm. And she actually said to me, I finally feel comfortable in my own skin, and that's all I needed to yeah. hear. You know.
1: Absolutely. Is, is there anything that um, seems to be more popular, so to speak? Is there certain things that people seem to come to you for more? Yeah, I mean, we offer bespoke individual
3: packages, mm. you know, not everybody wants the same thing and we understand that but it's it's a lot of hair removal Mm. it's an awful lot of dermal fillers or a natural filler obviously lip enhancements for um, feminization chin sculpting or we can you know sharpen the jawline all sorts of things but it's mainly fillers cog threads and hair removal i would say mm-hmm. as well as things like line and wrinkle treatments mm. so it's it's we offer 50 different types of treatments wow. so we can we can mix and match to any one specific requirement Mm.
0: Mm. now a question um, that is quite close to my heart when I was years ago I was going through laser treatment oh. um, and it didn't work on blonde hair Aha. it was only the dark hair right so is that changed now As technology moved on
3: yes absolutely if we if somebody has white or blonde hair now with the standards in laser hair removal equipment we can now treat anybody any colour any skin type mm. so yes is the answer to that we can
1: that's good to hear yeah
3: permanently remove hair for anybody now.
1: that's amazing actually because it's something you know that you've shared um, before well uh, like um, I said it got rid of the
0: the dark hair off my face but I was left with like Mm. it's only soft blonde hair but it's nice to know that the treatments have have come forward and Mm. now the Trans women out there can actually feel confident that they the the blonde hair on their face can also be got rid of.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Six to eight treatments is the average, but uh, you know where we are. You know <laughs> well, our, well come and visit yes. us. Where are you again? <laughs> we're on the can boulevard. you tell by the accent? <laughs>
1: Booming. No, no, no. No, no, no. Unmoved. Western Supermare. <laughs> yes, yes. Luckily for you, we're on the boulevard in Western Supermare fantastic yeah.
0: right now so people can get in touch with you obviously you've got a really lovely website which i've been onto. to oh, um so give us a website address or your social media
3: yeah sure so our website address is uk. telephone number is 01934 or facebook Aesthetica skin clinic wsm or insert Aesthetica clinic really easy that
1: is <laughs> well i hope um i hope this means uh, some people listening tonight um who now know that there is something available where they're going to feel um safe and uh get something for themselves that will ho- hopefully um make them feel you know more comfortable in their skin a bit more euphoric lovely mm. well thank you for coming on thank, thank you it's been an absolute pleasure thank, thank
0: you, you, to you
3: ever so much lovely to meet you the Showtime podcast
0: Weakened. I wonder why he left out the e. Weakened. In the end, a bit weakened. It's not weakened. Maybe People's weekend
1: is copyrighted. Well,
0: people say weekend, don't they? But it's weakened.
1: Maybe he's been weakened by his weekend. Maybe. Because yes. we all know, um, you know, his most famous famous song was "I Can't Feel My Face" when I'm with you, which. Uh, wow. That's his famous song. Is it? I'm Made Out. Okay. Gonna feel my Thankfully,
0: that was the clean UK edit, <laughs> not the clean European edit. Oh, is that Which, which is when it? you find out and you play the clean European edit and you think it's okay for the European market, it's not!
2: They, they have different standards, don't they, on continental radio? They play uh, They play a lot of songs with swearing in it. It's quite acceptable on daytime radio. In, I in have France jingles. And,
0: um, with mm. the F word in that are legal across Europe but yeah. not in the UK yeah, yeah
2: so very, yeah, very, yeah. very odd yeah. now we're
0: joined by Tara who's part of the team but you also yeah. Look after Call the Rainbow. Talk to the rainbow. Talk to the rainbow. If get it right. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I'd get you to I, slap me, but there's a screen right. in <clears> throat> throat> to do that. Talk <laughs> to there's the rainbow. There's a screen in between yeah. <laughs> us. <laughs> <laughs> I
4: feel like I'm in attack it's a taxi. It's only
1: to, it's only to uh, defend you, to be honest. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <clears> just in case. Yeah, but so yes.
4: Do you s- wanna, so we're two years old now.
0: Yeah. Two yeah. Oh, time flies, two years, yeah. And I remember when I first interviewed you at Hugo Trans Pride, wasn't it, in uh, Southwest yeah. in Bristol. Um and you were with Hugo. Yeah. It was sadly passed on. But yeah. th- th- but talk to the Rainbow continues it in does your continue. stewardship. Then, yeah, yeah. And yeah. we're gonna
4: change it from a limited company to CIC eventually, that's the plan okay. so it becomes a
0: Okay. A community. Organization. How many people have you got actually now as clients, like regularly? Oh,
4: we've had. We've. I think we're coming up to four hundred clients. Mm-hmm. Whoa! Really? Wow. years
1: Wow. and there's quite a few of us counsellors because for yeah. those of you who don't know i work for second step but i also work for talk that's to the rainbow right.
2: yeah um
1: and i met well not and no, i met tara a long time ago now but uh, we got talking didn't we at Transpine, that's when you were talking to me about yeah. talk to the rainbow and yeah. uh, little did i know that i'd be joining you and yeah. um it's been quite an amazing experience uh, yeah. so how many counsellors, counsellors
0: have you got then to look after 400 well, this, that's 400 gone
4: through the doors. So some yeah. people have come and gone. Ah, on, see, so yeah, they've dropped so off. Okay. So, yeah, so yeah. different therapists, still run, you know, I've got 10 clients. Some other people have got, I think, 20 clients, I've 25 clients. What, you've got six. And, you know, there's others got two or three. And yeah. some people specialize in couples counseling. Mm. and Some people mm. specialize in trans clients. And some people, mm. you know, it depends what their interest is as a therapist. Mm. So what we try and do is we try and fit. we try and work out best fit. And we give clients options, which I think sometimes confuses, actually. So most organisations just give you a counsellor. Yeah. Yeah. We might give you
0: two or three options. OK. But there's good bios, isn't there, on the website. So every counsellor has a bio, and that is so good to read before Mm. you actually get involved. I mean, what I've noticed is those that have got a really personal bio about themselves are more likely
4: to get clients choosing them. The more honest, more open you are. Ah, about yeah. So the background. So I think yeah, people they, find they it more have, accessible. They yeah. they
1: see they don't just see sort of a word, you know, therapist, yeah, yeah. counselor. They, they see a, a rounded, full person that they they mm-hmm. feel they can connect mm-hmm. with. And I also think the photos help. I know that other um, counseling websites do have photos, but I do think that you know, listeners, have a look yourself. Go on the Talk to the Rainbow website and have a look at the bios because if you're thinking if you're thinking about having counseling, you can have a really good read through, yeah. and that there's um, some nice mm-hmm. smiley faces on there. I look a
4: bit too scary, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Why, can you tell us, uh, for those who don't know, why did Talk to the Rainbow start?
4: Mm. It came about because, well, uh, training as a therapist, mm. I worked out that I wasn't being trained in LGBT. And it was like, well, if I, and it was like clients weren't being talked about in those terms. Yeah. And why I was doing, I was in placement at Bristol Mind in the LGBT team, which was just set up, was one of the first to work there. And it was just like a development of that, really, you know. So Bristol Mind has got this amazing LGBT service for sixteen sessions, but a lot, a lot of people that are with LGBT come with trauma, yeah. And trauma is not a quick fix. It's not sixteen sessions. It might be a year, might be two years, might be three years. Depends. It might be forever. Yeah, absolutely. (coughs) And so it's about giving people that option. You know, and different therapists work in different ways. So there are some therapists that want to work short term, and there are therapists that want to long term.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah, I think that I think that's really important to to talk about, really, because when I was studying, although I had the most wonderful experience, we did nothing that was uh, specific to the LGBTQI plus community, and being, you know, a queer person myself, I was the only queer person in the room. Yeah. So you know, I think it is an important subject that should be talked about more. And actually, it wasn't until you spoke to me about Talk to the Rainbow um, that I had that sort of, oh, yeah, that doesn't actually, that, this isn't a thing that exists at the yeah. moment, you know. And it's, it's, it's having queer therapists for, or LGBTQI plus, sorry, therapists for LGBTQI plus clients I just think is invaluable.
4: Mm. I, I'm not saying that straight therapists can't deal with LGBTQ. Uh, but we're, what we're saying is that clients sometimes just feel more comfortable yeah. with people more of their type because actually they don't have to explain Mm. or feel like they're going to get judged because they're gay or Mm. they're pansexual or they're a polyamorous or they're kink or they're a sex worker, you know, that doesn't matter. Mm. Therapy's for everyone. Yeah.
1: I think that's a, sorry, just quickly I think that's okay. a really important part of it. They're not having to explain. Yeah. Um, I, I'm okay. Sorry, you.
0: Now Terry, uh, mm. you work with second step as well. Um no. now there are quite a few numbers out there, aren't they? Um now um I think, as if you got all the... I know the Samaritans, Samaritans is one of is those on, that's always there, yes, 24-7 it, both, for you.
2: Both Britain and for our listeners that are tuned in on Trans Radio UK across Ireland, the number is the same. It's 116123 for the Samaritans, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Of course, you know, the, the original listening service, if you will, set up in the 1950s and still, you know, doing their, you know, non-judgmental listening ear. There's also, of course a network of gay switchboards what used to be called gay switchboards which are now lgbtq plus switchboards the national one in london I think Ez might have the number, but if you go to switchboard.lgbt, you will find the number of them. You can send them an email as well. You can send an email to the Samaritans as well, actually, if you don't want to talk directly on the telephone. Right. And there are lots of regional groups as well. Have you got some numbers there?
1: Um, I've, got, uh, I've got, one of the numbers I've got is for Gallup, which is LGBT, LGBTQI plus hate crime helpline. And they've mm. also got an LGBTQI plus domestic abuse helpline and a conversion therapy helpline. So they're all really mm, important, important to know. So the hate crime helpline is 0207 704 2040 the domestic abuse helpline is 800-999-5428 and the conversion therapy helpline is 0800-130-3335 and you can email them as well help at uh, sorry yes help at gallop.org.uk um, if you um, are, are you know needing to to reach out um, and you have a smartphone or a laptop um, and just type in lgbtqi+ helplines um, loads will come up of course there's Mermaid if you're younger. There well, that's tea. it, <laughs> there it a tea.
0: Tea. That was uh, abrupt yeah, Sorry to cut you that's off Right, <laughs> Out of time already Not that we're full of hot air or anything
1: Stand by for some Christmas and New Year shenanigans over the next few weeks Plus we'll
0: be with some of our stations with a New Year special starting 8pm on the 31st Going through to 1am on the 1st of January 2023
1: Catch up at shoutoutradio.lgbt Until next time, Bye. bye Bye
4: Shout out. LGBT
2: radio for you.